I want you to open your Bible to Ephesians chapter 4. If you have your Bible with you or your telephone or whatever, your memory bank, maybe. I want to speak to you this morning uh, on the subject, or I've entitled the message, Is Church Really Necessary? Is Church Really Necessary? Now, those that know the Bible know that the Lord said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But in reality today, the church, as we know the church, is losing its impact. The facts are that churches are beginning to decrease in size, that a civilization uh, has arisen that do not feel that church is necessary. Now, the reason for some of the confusion is that a lot of folks don't know what a church is. And quite frankly, if that's all you knew about what a church is, you might believe just like they believe. Because it has been hidden, even by many groups of people that come together and meet and put a sign out front and says the church, because of what's going on inside, Collectively and individually in the lives of those that are a part of the church, the world has said, I don't want anything to do with that. And so you have to stop it somewhere and say, is it really necessary for us to be here today? Is it really necessary? And this, by the way, is just the worship part of church. All right. The church is 24-7. But the point is, do children need a church? Do families need a church? Does a business need a church? If you're sick, do you need a church? I mean, we go on and on with examples, but is the church necessary? Now, in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 1 through 7, I want to read you seven verses. Listen. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, and Paul is writing here to the church over in Ephesus, he said, I therefore, Paul, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation to which you're called, with all holiness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There's one body, there's one Spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. There's one Lord, there's one faith, and there's one baptism. There's one God and Father of all, who's above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Now hold there for a moment, and I want to read to you from verse 11 of that chapter. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the Spirit and of the knowledge of the Son of God into a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Jesus Christ. Do you remember the expression that maybe it was your grandmother 
that told you this, or maybe it's somebody else, but whoever it was, here it was. You can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. Now think about that. You can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. God gives us our family. Then we choose our friend. Now there's a whole lot in the Bible about choosing right friends. I'm not going to talk about that today, but it's just to get us started. I guess maybe to really get an answer to that, you have to define what's a friend and what's a family. You see, there's a lot of people that say, I got a lot of friends. You don't have near as many friends as you thought you had. That's one of the scariest things when somebody tells me that I got a friend here, I got a friend there, I got a friend there, I got a friend. I think, yeah, you'll lie about some other things too. So I'm going to be very careful. (laughs) Because we don't know what a friend is. A friend sticketh closer than a brother. A friend is who shows up when most people want. A friend is who's going to help you through the Lord Jesus Christ, to see that your meats are met according to his riches in glory. A friend is one that's not going to walk out on you. A family has got some legal uh, binding that takes place. And uh, if you're an adopted child, your parents can't get rid of you. And if you are a, a child born by blood, there's legal ways, okay? And the Bible talks about us as being adopted into the family of God. That means we're in. We're in. And we can have a joyful time or we can live miserably the rest of our life. It kind of depends on what is our goal. So for some of you here, listening, watching, when someone uses the word family in your presence, something happens that may be different from what the other people are hearing. Because everybody does not have a family that is the family of God. And because of that, there's some straining, there is some uh, confusion, there is a lot of things going on. So maybe when I use the word family in anything that I say, you may have a good memory or you may have a bad memory. So when we get into the Bible and we, we begin to look at the church, we begin to see, if a church is a family, what a family ought to be. Now make sure that every family is composed of imperfect people who want to be loved. I mean, we kind of have a problem there. You know, none of us are perfect, none are righteous, no, not one, but I sure hope you love me. I sure hope you forgive me. I hope you'll excuse me. How many times do you say that every day? Excuse me, excuse me. Oh, excuse me, pardon me, excuse me. And then you say at the end of the day, I hope they're still my friend. Well, if we look at the church and many local congregations, you're going to find a lot of them that are a family. Thank God there's a lot of churches still around that are families. Like I said a while ago, they, they laugh together, they cry together. Every one of them, if this is relevant in your church or in this church, we're a family. That means that all of us are in this together. I I do this often. I tell you about a song. Everybody says, I know it. I know it. Somebody said here and said, I never heard of that one. It's not on my radio station. Well, here's the words. I'm so glad to be a part of the family of God. I'm glad some of you still listen to what I listen to. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. 
You know, there's a lot of church-going people that that's not their favorite song because they don't even know what the family of God is yet. They think the family of God is kept on paper or in a computer somewhere because they do not know they've never got close enough to the inside of the church to understand what the church really is. And the Lord is grieved by that because he knows his bride, the church, will stand the close-up test. If you're married and you introduce your wife, you want her to make a good impression. Why? Because you love her. When God takes his bride, the church, and introduces the church to the world, he wants us to make a good impression. The sad thing is, a lot of times we don't. A matter of fact, maybe most of the times we don't. But I think if we could be honest with ourselves, we sure would like to. You say, well, I don't think I've got anything in common with the people of the church I go to. Well, let me tell you what a real church is. Maybe we do have some things in common. First of all, we have the, a common father. You hear me? If we're a church, we have one father. His name is Father God. Through the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, we know him. But that's who we worship here. If you go to a church, that ought to be a common factor. 11,300 South Sam Houston Parkway East is an address of property of 50 or 60 acres and a bunch of buildings, but this is not our common address. Our common address is heaven. That one day we're all going to be in heaven and be neighbors in heaven. Another thing is common of the church is we're a collection of imperfect people that are in different stages of reconciliation. We're all somewhere here. We're all sinned. We've all come short of the glory of God. But we're trying to get right with God. We're all bound for the promised land, but we're also wanting to be living proof of a loving God to a watching community and a watching world. So this we have in common. As a family... We're on the receiving end from the Father. If you're a baby or a young child in a body that's called a church, you are totally dependent upon others. This Bible school, these children are depending upon us. They're going to come. Many of them will be brought by their parents, but they're coming here depending on their child growing in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord or coming to know the Lord or meeting other kids that they can grow up with that will strengthen their life instead of tear their life apart. But they're counting on that. Now, for many, we sit back and says, well, we got a big church and there's a lot of people like to do that kind of stuff, but I just never cared to do that. I don't think I have that talent. I don't think I do that. Let me tell you what the talent you need. It's not a talent, it's a gift. It's called L-O-V-E, love. The thing that will communicate with children more than anything is love. They know love. They know the fake stuff and they know the real stuff. They know what love is all about. So we move forward in our maturing. We try to discover what God wants us to be. We try to share those of us that are older with those that are younger. And then we grow old. And one day, our energies diminish. And we end as we began. 
and that is the need for others. We have a huge group of senior adults at Sagemont, and we have a huge group of babies, and we have a huge group of elementary age children. We have a huge group of teenagers and young adults and married adults. I mean, all of that is there. But you know what all that put together is called? It's called a family. And that family is to be recognized by one another because it is recognized by God. And for people to understand God and to be what the family of God is, they must understand what a church is. Peter wrote it like this. 1 Peter 2, 9. But you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. Now, do you fit that? If you say, I'm a member of Sage My Church or whatever church you may be a member of, do you fit that? Does that sound like you? You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and a people belonging to God. Here's the way Paul said it in Ephesians 3:14. For this reason... I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. If we're a family of God in heaven, that's our name. We're going to be the family. But if we are here and we are God's kids, we are a family. And if we don't understand that, that the family all has responsibilities. All cannot do one thing but the things that God wants his church to do, then we must make sure that those come out from among us and become what God wants them to become. Family was God's idea. And the church is that. All of us, all of us, if we go to church and study the Bible and learn and serve you know what's going to happen to us? We're going to know how to treat each other better. We're going to know how to pray for each other better. We're going to know how to help one another more. If we know who you are. Because you're a family. That you have come to grips with the fact that as a family I have some responsibility. Now let me go back and tell you we've all been adopted into this family we're oneness in bloodline. We have one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. We have all been brought together by the blood of Jesus through God's grace. As we have come and been brought together by the blood of Jesus, it came to our attention that we were sinners. that had never confessed that sin and repented of it, turned from it, and started serving the Lord. When that happened, we were baptized. One Lord, one faith, and one baptism. The word baptized means one thing. The Greek word is baptizo. It means to immerse. That's all it ever meant. It's all it was in the beginning and still is. We're buried with Christ in baptism unto death, and we're raised to walk in a new life. As Brother Bill mentioned, we didn't baptize anyone this morning. We're always disappointed when that happened, but praise God, last week we baptized more than 20. 44 people became a part of this church last Sunday in our two worship services and on Wednesday night. We are a family, folks. And you don't have to be around here 10 or 15 years to know you're going to be loved. If you join this church today and you go into a crisis this afternoon, if we know there's somebody going to be there. That's just who we are. But it's not us, it's him. Because he says, 
wherever you are, I'm going to be there. So when you need the Lord, you don't need to run to the yellow pages if you're old or to the computer if you're new. You need to call the church. You need to let us know. You need to do all of these things, but at the same time, let me jump to the other side, but there's got to be somebody to answer the phone or it wouldn't work. There's got to be somebody that can help and that's where we're lacking. We have so much need. Everything this church needs, we need more people to pray. We need more people to serve. We need more people to give. We need more people to come and help us with Bible school. There's not one thing that we do that we don't need more in the family if we're going to be the family that God wants us to be. Our bloodline is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. So I want you to think for just a moment in your own mind. What picture from your world where you live, what picture do you think the world has of God based on his church? Whatever world you live in, you may not be a Christian, first time you've ever been a Christian, sir. In the world you live in, what do you, the, your friends, your working uh, group, what do they think when the word church comes up, what do they think about? What do they think about? Well, that's all they want is my money. That's all they want down there at that church. I mean, you know, I know what you hear. Sometimes I enjoy when nobody knows I'm a preacher. <laughs> Some of the best material I've ever gotten to preach <laughs> did not come from heaven. It came from those that were ignorant as dirt about spiritual things but had an opinion that was strong as 18 miles of garlic. <laughs> and they know more about the church than they know in the seminaries. And they can't even spell church. And we laugh and cry at the same time, don't we? Because you see, all of us can do better. And the overwhelming majority can do something. And quit sitting on the premises and start standing on the promises of God. When you support your church with prayer and the right attitude and humility and gentleness and patience and cooperation, you know what that does? It makes the church look good, which in turn makes God look good. Amen. And when people really catch on, it's not about us, it's about him and what we were was the guide that took you to Jesus, the soon coming King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I'm convinced that the world is not all that put off about Jesus. I don't really think they find much fault in him, but what they find fault in is the church, his bride. His people. We find no fault. Even at the crucifixion, you remember? And Pilate, I find no fault with this man. No, and you don't either. There's nothing wrong with Jesus Christ. Amen. Nothing. And that's the one you're dealing with. Sagemont Church can't save you, neither can any other church. But Jesus can. And he loves you. And he died for you. And he's coming back again to take his kids home. You know, in a family, everybody has chores. The father has chores, mother has chores, 
in a good family. The children have, have chores. The structure of our Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, each one of them have a responsibility. God sent his Son. Jesus left, and the Holy Spirit brings us to Jesus. He takes us to the Father. I mean, it all works together. Leaders are not perfect here on earth. But if we're a godly leader, we're to seek God with all of our heart and all of our mind and all of our soul. First Thessalonians says, uh, Paul said, asked the people to hold their leaders in highest regard. In Timothy, he said that leaders, God's leaders, are worthy of double honor. In Corinthians, he said, submit yourself to your leaders. Talking about the spiritual leaders, those that, that are trying to lead you, pray for them, that they not lead you astray. There's not anything worse than having a guide that you trust and that guide leads you down the wrong road. It's a pitiful experience. And some of you have had that kind of experience. Hebrews 13 says, obey your leaders and submit to their authority that, because they must give an account. You know what makes a good church leader? What makes a good church leader is when you realize that people are going to follow you. You know, if nobody's going to follow you, no matter what you say. You just say, once, once 12 o'clock comes, it's all over with the next week, so eat, drink, and be merry. Wednesday, we may be fired. But who cares? There's always somebody else. That kind of an attitude. If you were going to go right now, let's say you're going to go to California, and uh, you didn't have any idea how to go to California, and there wasn't any road map. You couldn't push a button in your car, and they'd take you to California with your road map and all. Would you like for somebody to lead you that had never been to California? Or would you prefer somebody that had made that trip many times? I think I know who I would pick, all right? Now, I know how to get to heaven because that's where Jesus is. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to follow him. And when he comes back to this earth, I've already signed up because the blood of Jesus cleansed me from my sin when I was a little child. And I'm on my way to heaven. I'm heaven bound, not by works of righteousness, which I've done, but by his stripes, I've been healed. And I'm going back to the place. He said, I'm going to come and I'm going to rapture my church. And where I am, there you can be also. I'm bringing you home. I'm taking you home. And nobody can snatch you out of my hand. Who will come and go with me? Because we're bound for the promised land. Don't get that confused with California. <laughs> when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. Pastors and ministers, which is all of us, let us take seriously what we do. Let us make sure that wherever we go and whatever we do and whatever we say, not just on the church grounds, that somebody's looking. We can't all preach and teach, but we can all love people as Jesus did. You can pray. You can encourage. You can honor. And you can follow. As I draw this message to a conclusion, I'm going to ask every one of you to look in front of you and see if there might be a card there. I hope there is. There should have been one in every spot. I want you to look at that card. Some of you never picked it up, but some of you every week, you pick up those cards. I read every single one of them. 
I make some calls off of them where I feel like that it would be helpful. Zach does that. Our ministers do that. We meet on Monday to go through this kind of thing. But there's some of you need to put on that card right today. I'm going to make a commitment to pray for my church, my family, every day. Some of you need to make a word on there that might be very personal. And if you don't want to say it, just say, I'm praying about a personal area of my life. But I am praying for it. I'm asking God's will. What do you want me to do? What would you have me to do? Help me with this. It could be sickness. It could be emotional. It could be legal. It could be financial. It could be I don't know what. But take your burden to the church, the bride of Christ, who will take it to the Father with you. And there's multitude and a lot of counsel, but there's also multitude uh, when there's a multitude of praying for you and ministering to you, there is great wisdom and great results. Where are we going to go as a family in the next hundred years? I hope we're all going to heaven. Well, what do you have to do to get there? You've got to be approved by God. Well, how do you get approved by God? Just to be honest. And once again, say, God, you're right. I'm a sinner. God, you're right. You did send your son to die for me. God, you're right. Jesus' blood paid for my sin. Jesus, you're right. I want to come and live with you, and I want you to live in my life. Jesus, you're right. And then, Lord, when you come again, I want you to take me home. Because I believe, God, that you want me in your family, because you've said so. It's been my fault, not yours. And now, by faith, I'm coming and giving my life to you in the name of Jesus. We're family. Church members, we need each other. You need me, I need you. 1 Corinthians 12, 21, and the eye cannot say unto the hand, I don't have any need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. It's relationships that support us. It's spiritual gifts that support us. We do need Jesus, but we also need each other.